You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Exodus and chapter 20. I sense that somebody is making an exodus out of poverty, an exodus out of confusion, an exodus out of weakness, an exodus out of confusion, an exodus out of anything that devil has to offer. If it's you I'm talking about, come and shout amen. Exodus chapter 20. We're reading verse 8 to verse 11, and then I'll read another portion of scripture in your hearing. It's our custom to rise up for the reading of God's word. So if you can, at this point in time, please do rise up to your feet and let's go to God's word. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 and verse 2 verse 11. Here begin the reading of God's holy word. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord, your God. In it you shall do no work, nor your son, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. (laughs) Powerful instruction right here. But listen to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16 and 17. He says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come But the body, the substance, the real thing, the real deal is Christ. Many Jews still pay a lot of observance to Sabbath. And I dare say all of the major religions of the world today have some form of Sabbath. The Sabbath is an integral part of Judaism. However, the Sabbath predated even the birth of the Jewish nation. The origins of the Sabbath can be traced to the very beginning in creation when God rested on the seventh day. Yet Paul, who was a Jew of Jews, said that even the observance of Sabbath days is a shadow. It's an illustration. It's a typology of things to come and that the real substance is Christ. In other words, listen to me, people, there is a deeper meaning and truth to the Sabbath. There is a deeper message God was trying to pass across to to us by the institution of the Sabbath. And in this month of entering into the rest of God, it is imperative that we unravel the mystery of the Sabbath. So this Sunday morning, I came to teach you, preach to you, that it's time for you to keep the Sabbath. I know that sounds contradictory, but turn to your neighbor through your mask or your face sheet and tell them, you better keep the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath. Hallelujah. Mighty Father, help me. Speak through me. I function from your rest today. I rest in you. You take charge. Let yokes be destroyed. Let burdens be lifted. 
Let eyes be opened. Let there be great illumination and truth that is truly liberating. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the people said aloud, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. As you take your seat, tell your neighbor once again, keep the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath. All right. One of the major contentions that the religious leaders of Jesus' day had with Jesus was about the observance of the Sabbath day. Thank you very much. They believed that it was unlawful to do any kind of labor, any kind of work, including performing miracles on the Sabbath day. It's interesting that Jesus uh, to their great chagrin and annoyance and vexation, would often perform miracles on the self-same Sabbath day. In the book of Mark, chapter 3, verse 1 to 6, we read the story of a man that was inside the synagogue on the Sabbath day with a withered hand. And the, the, the Pharisees were in there examining and looking closely as to whether Jesus would heal this man on the Sabbath day. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, told this guy to come and stand right there in the middle. And he said that, is it good to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? Which one should we do? Is it good to save a life or to kill on the Sabbath day? And they were silent. They did not know how to answer Jesus. And when Jesus saw that they would not respond, he then said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the guy stretched out. Oh, this guy is a phenomenal guy, you know, because he had a good hand and he had a withered hand. When Jesus said, stretch out your hand, he could easily have stretched out his good hand, right? But this guy had enough faith, enough discernment to realize that this was a moment for his miracle. And he stretched out the withered hand. And as he stretched it out, his hand was restored. Hallelujah. As whole as the other. I decree and declare, somebody's hand is going to be restored today in the name of Jesus. And then the scripture says in that same um, Mark 3 and verse 6, that after Jesus did this, then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. So this act of Jesus vexed them so bad that they now wanted to destroy Jesus. They started to plot for Jesus' destruction. As far as they were concerned, it was sacrilegious to heal on the Sabbath. Now, I need to interrogate a little bit of their psychology because I'm a little disturbed at this. That how does one get to the point where you are happy for your brother or your sister to remain in bondage even an extra day to just keep a religious ordinance when they could be free right now? What type of mindset is willing to postpone deliverance and healing just to maintain religious norms? This is religion. Religion is not about liberation. It's always about limitation. And this is why Jesus had a problem with the religious leaders of his day and religion in general. Religion is always law above grace. It's always law above grace. This man's hand was withered under the law. 
Whenever you are under the law, your hand will be withered. Oh, my goodness. Uh, he could not carry anything with this hand. He could not do any work with it. And our hands represent our productivity. So withered hands under the law means limited productivity or no productivity at all. Now, Jesus was willing to go against religious dogma and restore what was lost. He said to this man, stretch out your hand. The man could have replied that his hand was withered and he therefore could not stretch it out, but he obeyed. And note that therefore in the realm of the spirit, this man's hand was not withered and all Jesus was telling me to, to do was to align with the spiritual reality that his hand was not withered as he stretched out his hand. His hand was made straight. Someone is going to stretch out their hands in ways that they have never been able to before, even from today. If it's you I'm talking about and you believe it, come and say amen. I decree and declare someone's productivity is going to be restored today in the name of Jesus. Someone is coming out of the limitations of the law into the liberty of grace in the name of Jesus. You are, able, you are about to be enabled to do what you could not do before. If you really believe it, Facebook, YouTube, in person, shout amen. We read another account in the book of Luke and chapter 13, verse 10 to 17. We read of a woman that had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. For 18 long years, this woman had a spirit of infirmity that had her bowed down, bent down, and she could no wise straighten herself up. Everywhere she went, she was bowed down. She was in pain. 18 years. And when Jesus saw her, Jesus said, Woman, thou art loosed of your infirmity. He laid hands upon her and she was restored. She stood straight up. Oh my goodness. I can't imagine the joy that filled her soul as she re re recovered all everything that she had lost. The pain disappeared. She straightened up whole. But then the scripture says that the ruler of the synagogue was incensed. He was vexed. He was full of indignation that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. He said there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on any of those days, but not on the Sabbath day. What religion? What religion? Jesus was so upset with his reply. He says, hypocrites, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from her bond on, on the Sabbath. But you are willing that she should wait an extra day just to keep your religious norm. You see, the law is willing to keep you bound. Did anybody hear me what I'm saying? The law is willing to keep you bound. The law is willing to keep you bound. The ruler of the synagogue was happy 
for this woman to remain in bondage as long as he kept his religious pedestal. The woman was bent over and could not stand up straight for 18 years. That's what the law does. Many are bent over and cannot stand up straight, heavy laden and bound down under the dictates of the law. Grace through Christ comes to loose us from the bondage of legalism and religion. Jesus said, woman, thou art loosed. He didn't say, woman, I will loose you. He didn't say, woman, you will be loosed tomorrow. He said, right now, right here, you are loosed. He was saying, it's already done. You just didn't know it. You just need to appropriate from the spiritual realm into the natural realm what has already been done. I prophesy again to someone in, under the sound of my voice that you are coming out from under that heavy burden today. Someone is going to stand up straight and tall where they were bowed down before. If it's you I'm talking to and you believe it, come and shout amen. Hallelujah. Someone is going to walk free today. The Pharisees' argument was not that healing was wrong, but rather that it should not be done on the Sabbath day. They had gotten it twisted, elevating law above grace. They had misunderstood the real message and import of the Sabbath. We read another account in the book of Mark chapter 2, verse 23 to 28, where the disciples were inside the field, and they were gleaning from the field, and the Pharisees again were annoyed that, why are your disciples doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus says that, didn't David also take of the shoe bread and give to people that were with him, even though this was unlawful to do? And then Jesus makes a profound statement in verse 27. He says, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Did you get that? He said the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. He was saying that the Sabbath was meant to be a blessing and not a curse. It's interesting how religion always turns around what God meant for blessing and turns it to a curse. The communion table created and established as an institution from God is for our blessing, but religion turns it around into a curse where you, that you become afraid of. The Sabbath was not meant to be a curse. It was meant to be a blessing. The Sabbath was meant to be liberating and not limiting. The Sabbath was meant to empower man and not diminish man. He was saying the Sabbath is not about a set of rules and regulations for men to use to judge other men, but rather a picture of the finished work that men are meant to bask in. They had misunderstood the essence of the Sabbath. Woo! Now, this contention that we read about in Bible days is actually a contention that continues even till today. There are whole denominations that are divided on the Sabbath. Some people say that the Sabbath is on Saturday. And if we are to be actually accurate, I will agree with them. The Sabbath is technically Saturday. Some people argue that, no, the Sabbath is Sunday. And even others say, no, the Sabbath is Friday. So we have a whole lot of division around what day really 
is the Sabbath. But are we missing the point? Is it even really about a day or not? And I know that today I am touching on a sacred cow and my speaking on it in itself is already offensive to some people. When whole denominations build their whole creed on what day is the Sabbath. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16 and 17, Paul says, Let no man judge you in meat, in drink, in respect of an holy day of the new moon of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. He says all these things are a shadow. They are a typology. Who goes around trying to hug a shadow? Who goes around trying to kiss a shadow? Yet people are in love with shadows, have enthroned shadows, have made shadows the main thing. And Jesus, the word is saying, no, 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 the main thing is Christ. There's a deeper meaning than the surface meaning. <laughs> Paul says that the ordinances and the practices of the Old Testament were a shadow of the substance, which is Christ. In dealing with the Sabbath, therefore, we need to be careful to not leave the essence while pursuing the shadow. Don't leave the substance and chase the illustration. And this is the problem with religion, you see. Uh, religion is often elevating the shadow over the substance, the typology over the actual message, the illustration over the word, law over grace. Religion gets stuck on all sorts of things, whether to cover one's head or not to cover one's head. Oh, you'll be surprised how stuck we get on these things and how indignant and annoyed we get when we feel somebody is doing something contrary to what uh, uh, we have been taught religiously. A woman doesn't cover her hair, and some people are ready to take her out and stone her. A man puts on a face cap, there's trouble. There are a lot of cultural things that we have put into the gospel and have now made it as if that was the essence of the gospel. Whoo! Who is the head and who is not the head? Whether to eat meat or not to eat meat what to wear and not, what not to wear. Meanwhile, in a whole lot of these scriptures that we lift up and turn into contentious issues, there's often a deeper message than the illustration. And often the deeper message is lost by most. We've left the main issue and pursued the peripheral issues. So, what is the real message in the Sabbath? What is the real message in the Sabbath? Our text, our pilot text tells us the origins of the Sabbath, that it was God himself that instituted the Sabbath, and the message of the Sabbath was not about rules and regulations, but actually about the rest of God. Whew. God spent six days creating everything, and man was the pinnacle of his creation on the sixth day. Now, 
the way the Jews reckon a day is actually from evening till the next evening. We reckon a day from morning till evening. God reckons a day, and the Jews reckon a day from evening to the next, the commencement of the next evening. That's why in the book of Genesis chapter 1, you read them saying that the first day was evening and day, because that's how he records day. So, even if you are going to try to keep the Sabbath, and the true Sabbath is actually on Saturday, but if we're going to go by the way Jews reckon days, the Sabbath actually starts from Friday evening till Saturday evening, the commencement of Saturday evening. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? So even some of you that are so dogmatic about Saturday being the Sabbath are still breaking the Sabbath because they don't observe it from Friday evening when the Jewish Saturday, quote-unquote, started. Are you with me what I'm saying? So now, man was the pinnacle creation of God on the sixth day, okay? So like I've taught you these last two weeks, man was created and therefore birthed into God's seventh day. And God's seventh day is God's day of rest. So man was born into the rest of God. Man was created for rest. The first thing that man was introduced to was rest, the rest of God. And man's assignment in the rest of God, like I taught you last week Sunday, was to tend and to keep the garden. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? The garden representing the rest of God. Keep this thing, tend to it, and keep it, okay? The Sabbath was and is about rest. But you don't understand this rest yet. You, you understand it. You understand it. Listen, this rest, and it's going to take some time to renew your mind on this because your, your association with rest is, oh, when I sleep, then I'm resting. When there is no activity, then I'm resting. But this rest is not the absence of activity because God told Adam to tend and to keep the garden while in the rest. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? There is still activity in this rest, but the activity in this rest is a different type of activity that is powered by a source outside of ourselves. I'm getting ahead of myself. Don't you dare miss next week's Sunday. But the question should arise. God worked hard for six days, created everything for six days. Everything for man, then created man, gave him everything, told him to tend and keep it. And then God rested on the seventh day. Why did God rest on the seventh day? God could not have been resting for the reasons that we rest. Quickly ask your neighbor, why do you rest? Why do you rest? Why do you rest? Well, every average human being rests because they are tired, because they are drained, because they are exhausted. Can I get a witness? I need me some rest. Woo! I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm drained. I've worked myself to the bone. I need some rest. But God could not rest for these reasons, because God does not get tired, God does not get drained, 
God does not get exhausted. He is a limitless, uh, bottomless uh, well of strength. He cannot run out. If you were to take a, 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 a quadrillion amount of power out of God, it would as, be as if nothing has left him. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? God could not have rested for the reasons that we rest. The book of Psalms 121, verse 1 to 4 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. My God does not sleep. When you start to equate rest with sleep, you've missed something because God's resting on the seventh day wasn't God sleeping. He does not sleep. He does not sleep. He does not slumber. And if he's not sleeping, I might as well get me some good sleep. There's no need both of us losing sleep. I don't know why you're staying awake all night. God is awake. Take care of you. Rest in him. I can sleep because he's not sleeping. I can rest because he has rested. And he rested. Why did God rest? He rested because he was finished. So I am able to rest because he has finished all that concerns me. He did not rest because he was tired Drained, exhausted. It wasn't like, oh my goodness, I created the lights. I created the earth. I created the trees. I created the animals. I created the birds of the air. I created all these things. I created man, the pinnacle of my creation in my image and in my likeness. I have worked so hard. I'm tired now. I need to rest now. That wasn't what was happening here. So the question still is there. Why did he rest? He rested because he was finished. He rested because he was finished. <laughs> he rested like a lawyer rests his case. When a lawyer rests his case, when he says, my Lord, I rest my case, he's not saying I cannot say another word. He's not saying I'm so drained now that if I say one more thing, I will collapse. If I make one more move, I'll fall over and uh, enter a coma. That's not what the lawyer is saying. When the lawyer says, I rest my case, what he's saying is that I have made every necessary argument, provided every necessary proof. There is nothing more to add to this argument. I rest my case. When God rested, he was saying, I have finished. I have done everything that needs to be done. I don't need to add anything anymore to what I have already. Oh, you don't hear me, what I'm saying. Do you 
realized that after God finished creation, since that time, he has never created another animal. He has never created another tree. He has never created another living thing because he finished it. When he finished it, he created everything within the power, to, within, within itself, with the power to procreate. So he never had to recreate. If it was us that was creating, we would have to continue to create and create and create. He had finished. He rested because he was finished. It's, it's, it's like the illustration of Picasso, uh, of uh, um, some other great artist, uh, okay? Uh, when he paints this masterpiece, uh, he, he, he puts his brush to work, and he paints the masterpiece, and he completes it, and he finishes it. When that painter says, I am finished, it is not because all of a sudden his paintbrush has become so heavy that he couldn't even lift it up to make another stroke. All the painter is telling you is that this masterpiece, it's complete. It is finished. So therefore, I am finished. Not that I'm tired. Not that I'm drained. Not that I can't do anything anymore. But I have completed the work. In fact, can I take it a little bit further and let you know that what he's saying is that he, just like the painter knows that when I finish this masterpiece, to add one more stroke is to mess up the masterpiece. So you cannot add to the finished work of Christ Jesus. It is finished. It is finished. You can't add to it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's saying I finished. So when, Jesus, when God says, I rested, God rested on the seventh day. It wasn't about tiredness or being drained, it was about completion. This is the type of rest that the Sabbath represents. And you can start to see how we miss the whole point when we fight about days. Who even told you that that first day was 24 hours? Hello? Who told you? How do you know it was 24 hours? A day before God is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. When God speaks to us in our own language, do not think that that immediately confines what was happening. He was trying to get us to understand and he was trying to teach us something very important. We have taken the good lesson and argument from, for factoring in rest and vacations and recreation into our lives from the example of God resting on the seventh day. That's not a bad lesson to draw. But as good as that lesson might be, we miss the real message of the Sabbath. The real message of the Sabbath is not only about affording us physical rest and restoration. There's a far deeper message. The Sabbath rest, listen to me, is meant to be a constant reminder of the finished work. This is why he set it up, to remind us that it's already done to remind us that it's already complete, 
to remind us that he's done everything that he needs to do. The Sabbath rest is not about a particular day every week for rest as good as that might be. The Sabbath rest is every day, every week, every month, every year. My entire new life in Christ is to rest in God. Oh, I don't know whether you hear me what I'm saying. I'm not in rest today and in stress tomorrow. I am meant to be constantly in the rest of God. The Sabbath rest is not really about what you do or you don't do on the day, but rather about what has been done for you. Keep the Sabbath. The subject of my message, which has been keep the Sabbath, uh, therefore, I'm not, when I tell you to keep the Sabbath, I'm not telling you to keep religious dogma. When I tell you to keep the Sabbath, I'm not telling you to keep a set of rules and regulations. When I tell you to keep the Sabbath, I'm not telling you to necessarily observe a particular day. When I tell you to keep the Sabbath, I'm not giving you standards to judge other people by. When I tell you to keep the Sabbath, what I'm really telling you to do is to focus on the finished work of Christ. I'm telling you to enter into the rest of God. I'm telling you to not focus on your own performance, but focus on the already performance of your God. Can you tell your neighbor, even right now, keep the Sabbath. When I say keep the Sabbath, I'm saying rest in God. He says that just like God sees from his labor on the seventh day, so does he expect us to cease from our own labors. What does that mean? To cease from our confidence in our own competence on how well we are able to do something, to now rest upon God, where we lean not upon the arm of flesh. Some trust in chariots, but we shall trust in our Lord. Those who have their minds stayed on him, he shall keep what? In perfect peace. He will keep them at rest. The man at the pool was restored to full health and strength on the Sabbath by Jesus. There was a blind man that his sight was restored also on the Sabbath by Jesus. The man with the withered hand had his hand restored on the Sabbath by Jesus. The woman with the infirmity of 18 years was restored fully to stand up straight and no longer bowed down on the Sabbath by Jesus. This lets me know that on the Sabbath in the rest of God, there is restoration. Did you hear me what I'm saying? In the rest of God, there is restoration. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I prophesy right now that as you enter and start to walk in the revelation of the rest of God, there's going to be great restoration in your life. I'm prophesying restoration into your life. As you step into the true Sabbath, the rest of God, restoration is yours. The things you've lost, they're coming back as you start to function from the rest of God. Your withered hand, it's coming back. It's coming back stronger than it ever was before. It represents your productivity. You're going to be more productive than you ever were before in the mighty name of Jesus. Ah, uh, you needed other people to carry you before, but
But as you function into the rest of God, you will be the one carrying others, just like that guy had to carry up his mat and walk away. Is anybody hearing me what I'm saying? You've been heavy laden and bowed down these many years, unable to do anything, unable to go anywhere. You've always looked down upon yourself like you are a nobody, but as you catch the revelation of the rest of God, which is the finished work of God that is already completed, that is already finished, all of a sudden you're going to realize, I don't need to be bowed down no more. I don't need to be heavy laden no more. And you're going to start to straighten out. I prophesy somebody starting to straighten out. Even this Sunday morning, you're going to start to straighten out. You're going to square your shoulders. You're going to lift your head up high because all of a sudden you realize I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. I function. I walk and operate from the rest of God in the mighty name of Jesus. Restoration, restoration, restoration. You couldn't see your way forward. Your vision had died. You were the blind man. But even as Jesus restored sight to that blind man on Sabbath, I decree and declare, as you get established in the revelation of the rest of God, the finished work of Christ Jesus, you are getting your vision restored. Your sight is being restored. Even in these challenging days, when everybody says there's a casting down by the vision of God, you shall say there's a lifting up. New jobs are being provided even right now in the name of Jesus. New doors are opening even right now in the name of Jesus. The doctor's report is going to turn around even right now in the name of Jesus because it is finished, because it's already done, because the rest of God is a spiritual reality. If you believe it, shout amen. Hallelujah. I've entered the Sabbath. I've entered the Sabbath, and I'm calling you to come along with me. It's not a day. It's not a day. It's a revelation. It's a state of mind. It's a spiritual reality. I function from the Sabbath. I preach from, out, from the Sabbath. I'm preaching out of the rest of God. You know, yesterday as I was preparing, and you, sh- you should prepare, you should work hard, God started to whisper to me, say, is your confidence in your labor, in your preparation, is it ah, because I prepared hard? I studied. No, 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 no. It's a function from my rest. Prepare. But your confidence is not in your preparation, in your competence. Your confidence is in the finished work. Your conf- confidence is in what I have already done. What I am doing now, he has already done. I'm just playing it out. Oh, oh my. Oh, that you will get it. That you will get it. Jesus, he said that the things I do, I'm only doing what I has been done, what I saw. The things I speak are the things I heard. I'm just saying what I have heard. He's functioning in rest. How could he sleep in a boat with a storm raging, with water entering the boat? He was in the rest zone. He knew it was already done. We're not going under for going over. You are not going under for going over. 
you are not going under for going over. What does that mean? If he said you are going to the other side, you are going to the other side, regardless of what comes up in the process of getting to the other side. Rest in God. Hallelujah. Father, we give you the glory, we give you the praise. There's absolutely no God like unto you. You are an awesome God. Lord, establish us in this truth. Establish us in this truth. Lord, help your saints to go back and check and study and look again and again to examine whether these things be as they have been told today. And as they find it to be so, cause there to be such joy in their spirits and true power to flow into their life situations in the mighty name of Jesus. Woo! Thank you, Lord. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. If you haven't known Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're outside the rest of God. As much as there are those that are saved and spiritually in the rest of God and are not living in the reality of it because they hadn't understood it or it hadn't been taught to them the way I'm teaching it today, if you are not saved, if you are not have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are totally outside the rest of God. Meanwhile, he's already paid for you to come into the rest. You just need to receive what has been done. In fact, let me tell you, I found out that one of the major assignments given to us is just the assignment of receiving. It's not really the assignment of achieving. It's the assignment of receiving what has been done. Keep and tend what he has already done. Adam and Eve didn't have to grow the garden, didn't have to um, create all that was created. God did all the heavy lifting. Their job was to receive what had been done and then keep what had been done. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity. This is your moment. Please repeat these words after me with faith in your hearts and confession in your lips. Thank you, Jesus, for the price that you paid for my salvation. Today, I repent of my sin and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart, I confess with my mouth, and even as I have done so, I am now a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on hotr.org.uk.